Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelke. Is Paul Dettino. The phone number is 201-939-4513 or hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to talk of some Giants football with us and training camp week is here, folks. The rookies are here practicing. Um, today, their first practice will start at 2.45. No media access to that, but I might sneak out there and have a little, some notes for you over the course of the week on what we see out of the rookies um, throughout the day and throughout the week. And then the players report on Wednesday, all the veterans. They have their conditioning test, and then they will have their first practice on Thursday afternoon. So, Paul, it's starting to begin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was so tired of flipping the months on my calendar at home. Finally, we are here. Uh, John, I have to tell you that, you know, you look at this team coming into the camp, and I think the thing that I've been itching for more than anything else, because let's face it, we knew all the rookies were going to be here because unlike the olden days where rookies held out, everybody's slotted now. So the Giants, of course, in the last couple of days, finished signing everybody. McIntosh has signed. Barkley signed. Which is not a surprise. All the fans that were worried about the draft picks getting signed, they always come in. Everything's slotted. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the difference between the olden days at the beginning of training camp and now. That worry, that stressor is over. Years ago, you literally were playing games thinking about, oh, my goodness, who's going to be the holdout? Who's not going to be signed? And the Giants were usually pretty good at having all their picks signed, but not always. And that was the big headline swirling around the first couple days of camp. Nowadays, because the NFL several years ago went to the slotting format, that is no longer the issue. So now the big thing for me, the Mexican jumping bean, if you will, <laughs> that keeps me hopping and bopping uh, you know, at all hours of the night, is get these guys on the field. And how much can they do in the limited practice reps that they have so that they can get coached up and get ready as soon as possible to play? Because what is it, eight or nine petted practices? What's the total? I'm not positive about that. I'm not even sure what the number is now. But those are the ones during training camp that just hold 24-karat gold. And you won't see those, by the way, until I think Sunday is the first fully padded practice, if I'm um, not mistaken. I have to double-check. I think, I it's, think Sunday. it's Sunday, but i got to double-check. Yeah. And so, for me, that's the anticipation. That's the thing that's got me bouncing off the walls, is get, those, get to those padded practices and let's see how quickly all of these newcomers, specifically the rookies, can help the Giants. Because, you know what, John? They're going to need immediate impact from these guys if they're going to get to the playoffs this year. Yeah, and look, you want to see how these guys look when you start playing real football. I mean, look, we've seen these guys in T-shirts and shorts and stuff in the spring with no contact. So, I mean, we have a good feel for some of it. We have a good feel for, I think, Schirmer's offense, Betcher's defense. That's the kind of stuff that we have a decent feel for. Uh, they're going to reinstall everything for a third time this offseason from scratch. They'll do it faster since the players have seen it already. Um, and then they'll move forward. But you're right, it's all about the pads, Paul. And I think a good way to start the show is to kind of Go back and forth. Let's each kind of pick out a couple of things that we're really going to watch for and are excited to see. And look, to me, 
maybe the most important individual that I want to see with the pads on in the summertime here during training camp is Eric Flowers. He's a guy that's moving to the right side. We don't know what that adjustment is going to be like. Um, you really can't see anything with the offensive lineman mm -hmm. in the spring. You just can't. Um, you have a pretty good idea with Nate Solder. As you know, he's a good, solid player. He's done it for a long time. Um, I've seen Will Hernandez in pads up close to the senior bowl, so I'm not that excited about that. I've seen that. I've seen what he can do. Um, I, it's really important in today's day and age in the NFL to have two good tackles. A bad mm -hmm. right tackle can hurt your team just as much as a bad left tackle. Block them pass rushers. They can. Week two, guess what? Demarcus Lawrence is going to get blocked by Eric Flowers. Can he block him? We'll see. Right. I don't know. So that, to me, the first thing that I'm looking forward to the most is that first day of O-line, D-line, one-on-ones. <laughs> when we see the, all the offensive linemen line up against defensive linemen, they go one-on-one -on -one and we right. see who wins. And to me, that, out of all the things, is the first thing that I'm looking forward to the most when we get to training camp. Yeah, and again, as we try to tell you every summer, there are limitations, obviously, to not only what they can do at practice, but, but also they're not showing everything either. Right. I mean, there's, there's still, they're still kind of feeling their way through the forest, trying to figure out what they like, what they don't like. And so I guess for me, the preseason games, and I know I'm considered crazy by most people, I think the preseason games are awesome. I love the preseason games because there is so much knowledge and value to be gained out of those games. Most people think they're throwaways. I'm salivating at every snap. Until you get to that second game and you go, John, I just want to see real football. This isn't real. I get that speech from you every year, like the third week of August. John, I'm tired of watching these preseason well, games. I need games that count. Because, because what happens by that point, <laughs> by that point, you have already decided pretty much who you think your guys are going to be. Right. And there's only a few guys on the back end of the roster that you're worried about or concerned about or questioning, and you're saying to yourself, okay, so I pretty much know the top 47 guys or top 48 guys on the roster, maybe even 50. And you're like, okay, now I want nothing bad to happen to them. Can we put them in bubble wrap until that first regular season game? And that's why I start getting jittery there at the end. Well, and like, look at last year. I mean, we saw it. Odell got his first nick in that third preseason yes. game. Brandon Marshall got his first nick in that third preseason game. And it's it's fair to worry about it. But, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's important to see. Another thing that I'm going to you know keep an eye on during training camp is, is how they work the cornerback depth chart. And I think that's really important. We know who the f first two starters are. Uh, William Gay, I think, is – I would call him the guy to beat in, at the slot spot right now, but – Coach doesn't sound so sure. Coach called it an open competition in minicamp, so who am I to argue with him? Um, and I think that's, to me, that's a make-or-break deal for the Giants this year as a secondary. That's something that can either lift this season up or it could sink this season to the bottom, and I think that's something I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on. Well, I think, to be honest, on kind of on the same level for me is not only finding out about the depth in that secondary – but who's going to be the, the second pass rusher besides Olivier Vernon? Yeah. You know, and I continue to talk about how I think Betra's going to scheme it and how I think in a lot of ways that's going to help because it's not necessarily about, you know, who puts up the big stats on the pass rush. It's how does the overall Giants defense get the, the heat on the quarterback. But you know what? At the beginning of the season, nobody is going to respect the Giants pass rush. Because right now, Olivier Vernon is the only guy who's proven in this league he can get double-digit sacks. Yeah, and he's only done it once. Once. 11. And that so, was 2012? 13, I was going to say five years ago? Yeah, something like that. So, 
My point is, at the beginning of the season, the first month of the season, teams are just going to be, okay, you know what? Vernon's the guy to deal with. And until the Giants put something on tape in the first month of the season that shows other teams they've got to respect other players and things that Betcher's going to do to them, those teams will not be playing in fear. And look, in two days on Giants.com, you'll see my, my interview with James Betcher, and he gave a great answer to this question. And I asked him, I go, Coach, you know, we talk about getting a quality pass rush on a quarterback. Can you scheme pass rush over a 16-game schedule? When he looks at me, he goes, no. You, not, I don't scheme to get free runners at the quarterback. It happens sometimes because the offense makes a mistake, and it's great. But that's not what scheming does. Scheming is designed to set up my best pass rushers into one-on-one situations. So yes. You bring blitzes from certain areas, so the Giants' best pass rushers get one-on-one, and teams can't help. But eventually, guess what? The guy's going to have to win a one-on-one battle. Mm-hmm. Which guys on this defensive line in front seven are going to be able to win those one-on-one battles in pass rush? And that goes back to the O-line, D-line, one-on-ones. And, you know, it's going to be different this year. I wonder how they'll do that. Will they bring the linebackers over for part of the period? You know, the Lorenzo Carters, no the Vernons, and Kareem Martins, and those types of guys because they, you know, they're stand-up guys. Avery and Moss. Base and Avery Moss, too, um, who I want to see work, too. We didn't see him in the spring. Yeah, either. So, I know. Um, yeah, I think that is another huge factor. And to me, Paul, that's the crux of the season. Uh, barring any crazy injuries, the offense will be good enough. I right. really, I believe that. I believe the offense will be good enough. Mm-hmm. I do not know about the defense. I just don't. Yeah, and it's very fair to say that. And it's because what what Betcher wants to do with all of his pre-snap movement and the position changes that he wants to do, as you say, it's to create that one-on-one matchup. Well, here's the thing. If Vernon is the only guy who, after a month into the season, proves that he can win the one-on-one pass rush matchup, James Betcher's got a lot of problems on his hands. Yeah, it doesn't matter who who the coordinator is, how good you are. If you only have one guy that can consistently get to the quarterback, you're going to have problems. He's cooked. So now, what Betcher needs to figure out over the course of the training camp and the preseason games as he's getting to that September 1st or, or first week of September, I guess first second weekend of September? Yeah, second weekend. As he gets to that Jacksonville game. Let me make it simple. <laughs> as he gets to the Jacksonville game. The season always starts the second weekend. The first weekend of September, Labor Day weekend. Yes. Second week of the September is always the first week of the season. The point is, by the time he gets to that to that uh, level uh, day on the schedule, yeah. what Betcher wants more than anything else is to determine if he's got two, three, or four, or even five other guys that in a given play, they can win their one-on-one matchup. Because that allows him the flexibility to start calling all the different multiple looks that he wants to call. Is it Romeo Quara? Is it Avery Moss? Is it Lorenzo Carter? Is it Kareem Martin? Is it Alec Ogletree, who they can even use as, as a guy that comes off the edge and on you know third downs and, and, and things like is that? Is it just so, sending a guy out of the secondary? Yeah, is is it, that is, his best? Is, is it Landon Collins? Is it a, is it a slot corner? Is it whatever? You name it. They could do a million different things, but they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. Yep. And that's that 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 we won't find out unless we're watching the preseason games. Correct. And the same thing with the preseason games with the running game on offense. Correct. How much progress have we seen with the running game on offense? Addition of Nate Solder, Will Hernandez, Patrick Omame, Saquon Barkley. You would think there's going to be a big change and a big improvement. That's what you would think. But 
until we get to a preseason game, and yeah, you can do the, you know, seven on nines and, you know, nine on nines and ten on Doesn't tens hold and water. goal line and Doesn't practice. Doesn't hold water. Unless, until someone's trying to actually tackle you, guess what? Yes. Doesn't mean a hill or you know what. Yep. So you have yep. to wait for the preseason games. And as of right now, the Giants, I believe, play their first preseason game on the ninth. If I'm not mistaken, so you got about two and a half weeks until that first preseason game, and that's when you're gonna figure things right out. Right there, was that right? The ninth, yep. yeah. So you got about little, little more than two weeks. I think that if I'm Coach Shermer, and I've said this many times on our show in the last couple of months, and I will continue to say it mm-hmm. until he tells me otherwise, the offensive line needs to play almost the entire first half of that first game, which is longer than usual for veterans. But these guys need the work. Don't you want to build them up, though? What, what, what if you do, like, a quarter and I then want, a half and then a quarter and I then wanna, a half? I want to get them at the least quarters. a quarter and a half right. in the first preseason game. Most times they come out after the first or second possession Yeah, in a pre- first preseason game. Of course, that's going to depend on health heading into the game, too, and all yes. that stuff, obviously. But given right. those starting five being available, to mm-hmm. me, they're not coming out till maybe six minutes left in the second quarter. They they got to get at least four possessions. What if they have a long eleven play? Okay, they get three possessions touchdown. then instead of four. Well, see, the, they worry about snaps. They don't worry about how many snaps do you want those first group guys to get? Because I think that's generally how the coaches will usually yeah. look at it. They want X number of snaps. Twenty snaps. I. I'd say as many as twenty-five. Right. I, I don't. Th- I, I would be surprised if they got more than twenty in week one. That would be my. I guess. would like to see more than that. Right. Personal preference, because I think they are such a work in progress. Yeah, no, I hear you. That you know, it's kind of like and a new coach, by the way, and how Hunter. When as you're well. trying to scramble the eggs, you know, you got to scramble those eggs, baby. You can't just play around with them. You got to scramble them. I'm ready. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, finally, and I, I almost hesitate to bring this up because I'm not sure we're actually going to see him in a preseason game. What do you got? I want to see Beckham run around and do something. Oh. Now, I don't think we'll see him in a preseason game. That's just my feeling. Why risk him? I wouldn't do it either. I'm not saying I want them to play him, and they should. It's something I want to see. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while, and it's fun, so I want to see it. But... There's some pretty cool stuff on video on YouTube and, and uh, Twitter and Instagram. I wouldn't mind seeing a big play in practice here or there, and I think that'll that'd be kind of sa- nice. I think that'll satiate my thirst a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that'll be okay. I'm, I'm, I want to see explosive Odell for the first time since the injury. So does Dave Gettleman. I saw this. <laughs> I think so does Odell. I think Odell wants and to show Coach Shermer some- and Eli. Oh, 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 Odell's a competitor. I think he wants to go out there and and show up a little bit. Yeah, again. Not about preseason games. Discretion is the better part of valor in those types of situations. But I think in practice you can see some some signs. And I agree with you. We'll all get excited if he does something like that. Yes. But until he actually gets into a game, and right. that will be in September, and he beats somebody on a big play, I'm still going to be thinking, okay, fine, whatever. And, <laughs> hey, all of a sudden, there's Odell again. And again – and tough, that's not going to happen tough, until that happens. And it's a tough start to the year, too. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, you can't go into the deep end of the pool than that in week one. Oh, I would get him a pick play as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> little rub route? Paul, they're as rub routes. As soon as they're, possible. Picks are illegal. Yes, they are. Rub routes are legal. Remember that. Shermer's going to come in here and drag you out by your hair. It's all a matter of semantics. 
you remember how angry back in the used to yes. get what people used to call pick plays? Yes. It's They're all about routes. semantics, folks. Yes. But I would get Odell one of those right away. First possession of the, of the game against Jackson. All right, folks, let's get into it. What are you psyched about camp? What are you worried about? What are you thinking about the New York Giants in 2018? 201-939-4513. I'll monitor Twitter as well at hashtag Giants Chat. I'll get to some of your questions and comments there over the course of the program. But no guests today, folks. 45 minutes. Me, Tatino, you. Matt in Rhode Island called in first, so he gets to go first. Matt, what's going on? Gentlemen. Hello. What a, what a great week this is uh, This is for football fans. Uh, Absolutely. Camps open. I always look at the offseason in terms of milestones. After the draft, you have the big gap. It's like, get me to training camp, then it's get me to that first preseason game, and they start playing a game every week. It, it kind of goes fast. So I know what you're there. saying, man. You know what it's like? It's like being in the middle of the desert, and you're, you're just you're dying for water. And you're crawling through the sand. And you're crawling through the dunes. And then finally, finally, you reach water. I want to bury you in a sand dune in a second. <laughs> you got to relax. We have reached water. He does not need to relax. I feel the same way. If I wasn't <laughs> in my office, I'd be screaming the same way. Uh, you know, I think the thing I'm most excited to see in camp is we have a new offense and a new defense. The, the different looks that we may see. It's been well documented with Mac well documented with McAdoo that there was just not enough variety in the play calling. Now that might have been based on things that were going on with the offensive line, but I want to see two tight end sets. I want to see if we're going to be using a fullback, things like that. I think sure. those are the most important things that I want to see. And you know, to me, and, and I'm sorry, Paul, real no, quick. Go ahead. The thing that, I, look, I think all that important, you know, formation-wise and creativity and personnel packages, that's all great. To me, though, you can do all those things. If you don't get the ball down the field through the air more, none of it's going to matter. And mm-hmm. the issue that I've had with this offense, even when Ben McAdoo was Tom Coughlin's offensive coordinator, is they didn't have enough big plays down the field through the air. Yeah, Odell will catch a 12-yard slant and run 80 yards for a touchdown. That's great. But you have to challenge defenses vertically. And I think Paul will agree with me in that we've seen, even in spring practices, balls go down the field and practice a ton more than we saw the last mm-hmm. four years when Ben McAdoo was the guy that ran the offense here. Without question. And I think, you know, we kept I don't want I don't want to discuss the past, but I will just say this one more time. We kept watching practice during the previous administration. Oh, it was boring as hell. I'll be honest. And, I said it before. You know, John and I would sit there. We'd, we'd have the pad out because we got we would take these pads out to practice, and we'll write down highlighted plays, either plays that we want to use for the website Scant. to show plays of the day, yeah, sure. right, mm-hmm. or plays we want to talk about, you know, on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there'd be times we'd be walking in, and I'd look at John. I'd say, John, I got two plays. And John would look at me and say, yeah, they only threw one ball like 30 yards downfield. 30? Try 15 you know? sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and we would be like, okay, uh, that's it. And, you know, and we told you. We weren't hiding it from you. We talked about it mm-hmm. on the shows. We said there, there, there's not really a lot of big plays happening here. So I'm with you and I'm with John. I think, yes, I'm anxious to see it. And, John, absolutely the Giants need to do it. Yeah, uh, and one quick question, guys, and then I'll, then I'll hang up. Um, with camp on Friday, I, I have I, – I got my tickets uh, that I sort of think they were requesting on the website. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know when they'll put the list of legends that are going to be at camp out on, on the website? That's a really good question. Um, I can check to see if it's there now. 
let me take a quick look, and I can, you know what I'll do, um, I will write a quick note here, uh, to my folks upstairs, Matt, and if they can tell me when that list will be made available, I will, uh, say it on the show, so just tune in, and I'll hopefully have an answer for you at some point during the show, right? Cool. Okay, and last, last thing, one thing I always notice when the season starts, we get all the other guys coming in on the show. I want, I want to keep it to the core guys, the core four, Fiegels, Dettino, Schmelk, and Meadows moving forward. Later, guys. I appreciate it. Well, we would love to be <laughs> that, but we all have bosses we answer to, and that's all we'll say. Well, I, quite frankly, and, as ha- much and by as... the way, having having a guy like David Deal on the show is invaluable. Mm-hmm. I, I got to host one show with Deal at the end of the last season, one, and it was one of the most fun shows that I had the whole year. Deal's wonderful. We we've had Deal, we've and had Howard, great. We've had Howard Cross. Howard's Howard's awesome. Howard's also had done the show sure. sometimes. Uh huh. You know, we, we've had our share of guys, and, you know, the bottom line is... And, and of course, Russ has a lot of fun doing the show, too. Very entertaining. He's certainly a character, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. I think, I think the, the one thing I just want to stress to the folks is that, you know, we, we're on a mission when we do this program, and we're so happy. It's how many years now we've been doing this show? About Long six time. years, seven Long years? Long time. We're on a mission every day to just make sure that we're the conduit to you guys and that, you know, we're getting you as much information as we can get you as quickly as possible. And we appreciate the fact that so many fans have not only stuck with us through the years, but that the fan base continues to grow. So thank you, and we, we absolutely appreciate your thoughts. Yes, absolutely, and, and thank you for that. But we're going to have our mix of guys again. I don't know exactly what the schedule is going to be yet. We haven't figured that out yet. In fact, we're still working on August with all the moving pieces we have Heck, going. we don't even know Coach Shermer's detailed schedule no, yet. No, we are basically – right now, folks, I'm scheduled for this show through Friday. And, and beyond that, I'm working on it. So <laughs> TBD. Is, is, is what I'll tell you. 201-939-4513. Uh, let's go to Ken in Trenton, New Jersey. He's up next. Hi, Ken. Hey, fellas. How are we doing today? Hi. What's up, bud? Um, I haven't called in in a while. Uh, actually, I've been, I've been working a real lot. Um, I just noticed uh, this morning that we needed tickets to go to training camp, even though the tickets are free. And uh, I've been a regular at training camp for the past couple of years, and I was wondering if, if we need a ticket in order to go to training camp because – I didn't know about it. <laughs> Go to the every, giant. Uh, every uh, weekend day uh, is uh, sold out already. Are you in front of your computer right now? Uh, well, no, I just use my my phone. Okay, but go I, to yeah, go to the Giants app then, and yes, you do need to register for tickets. And I believe I haven't talked to anybody. It's for crowd control purposes. Isn't I that believe John? so. Yes, I think so. You know, because the, there are, as you know, limited number of seats in the bleachers. And then yep. you also have a lot of people. They've been days here at practice, John. I think there were a couple last year. Yeah, they don't want to turn people away. Well, right. They had, there were so many people that the bleachers were full around the field, and then there were like six people deep standing between the bleachers outside the fence. And the yeah, truth of the matter is you get back three, four people deep there, they can't see. And especially mm-hmm. kids who may not be as tall as some of the adults – it's very, very disheartening if you've made the trip down here and then you find out, well, guess what? I'm going to be five people back from the fence, and I can't see anything. Why did I, why did I show up? Though, that's a miserable feeling. So I think mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is a crowd control situation to make sure that everybody enjoys their time here. Okay. Well, I'll be sure next year to, to hurry up and get my tickets when they come out. But uh, yeah, like like I said, I can I, I work all week. I can't I can only come on the weekends. But the weekend days were sold out within like five minutes. Oh, oh wow! So Sorry about that. I, I didn't know that. Wow. Couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, well, we appreciate the call, man, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to see you at camp soon. All right. Yep. Bye. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, and folks, that that, that that's merely a way to make sure that um, they have X number of people in and they want to get them in. And, you know, go to Giants.com. If, if, if you search this Giants training camp and you Google it, it'll come up. It'll be second or third on the list or something like that. It'll have the practice schedule, the rules. I looked it up, by the way. Saturday is the first fully padded practice. It is Saturday? Saturday yes. Okay. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, uh, and again, folks, I know there's threat of off and on rain during the course of the week. All week. Yes. It's a mess. So please, I, I hate to put water on your parade here, but and I'm not trying to be funny, but when it rains and the Giants are forced to move practice inside, you can't come inside. There's no room inside the field house no to have stands. the public. Yeah, so, none of that. So that's the bad news. you know. So always check the weather forecast, and we invite you to check the Giants' website and the Twitter page because if they decide that they've got to move it, they'll let you know as soon as possible through those means. Right. Don't want you to come out if you can't see. Now, the stands do have canopies on them now to protect you from the sun and the rain, and I will say this. It wasn't practice in the spring where there was media access, but I stood out there in a pretty heavy drizzle for about an hour and a half as Pat Shermer continued to have practice outside in May. So just because it's raining a little bit, don't assume that means they're not going to practice outside now. This isn't, you know, the yeah. old – even Tom Coughlin used to – even a little bit of rain used to move everything inside. Ben Mackey did the same thing. But based on what I saw in the spring, if as long as there's no lightning, lightning, it'll immediately go well, inside no matter what because it's safety of story. for fans, players, and us and everybody else. But if it's just a little bit of rain, they might stay outside anyway. So just – just keep that in mind. Yeah, stay right on the Giants app. Stay on the Giants website, you know, and uh, they will let you know. They will absolutely get that information out to you right away as soon as practice is moved, if it's going to be. And I, I tell you something, it's a great time if you can make it out here, and I certainly hope the weather holds up for everybody. All right, let's go to Shakes in Baltimore, Maryland. He wants hey. to kick off the Giants season Where has he us. been? Well, I've, I've talked to Shakes a couple times. He must only be calling me. He doesn't want to talk to you. I know. What's up, Shakes? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Hello. How are y'all? Good, man. What's up with you? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm extremely excited. Y'all know this. Man. I've been talking about Barkley, and, and, and y'all know five years ago, and y'all just spoke on uh, how long y'all been doing this, and five years ago I called in, and uh, P-Dot, <laughs> this is going to be funny. Do you remember when um I, I think this was like the first conversation or maybe one of of the first conversations we had and you had a show on that draft night that we drafted Pew. Yes. And, and I wanted Overtree and I was on here coming on here I for months on I do remember saying, you gotta draft Overtree, you gotta draft Overtree and we drafted Pew. And I came on that show that you was doing, and I said, what are we, allergic to linebackers or something? <laughs> I do remember the allergic to linebackers. I remember that. Well, it's nice to know that they finally got the inoculation on that. <laughs> I, I will tell you something, Shakes. You, you remember one of the issues coming out of school for Ogletree was there were some questions about his knee. And also off the field stuff with and, him too, and right? And there was there yeah. was there was some off the yeah. field stuff that was a little bit yeah. abrasive. And and to be fair, the Giants also at that point should have done more addressing of the offensive line. That was already starting to be the and time it, when they needed and help. It's funny. It's funny, Shakespeare. It's funny you mentioned that draft. Do you go back? That draft was brutal. Like for it everybody, out. it, it was out. an awful draft. And Ogletree and Pugh were actually two of the best first-round yes. picks in that draft. So based on everything else around the Giants, they actually did okay with Pugh. Even though you would rather would have rather had Ogletree. And I guess I guess he's probably been a little bit of a better player. We got him now, so it's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I want to just speak on a couple things here. Sure. Now, first of um, the pass rushing, right? Now, I agree with y'all. You know, it's, it's something that we're going to have to see. And I've been telling um, folks on my show, plug, <laughs> but that um, I feel like the rookies, um, B.J. Hill, yeah. Renzo Carter, yep. I feel like those guys have to come through with the pass rush on that side of the um of the field. Now, I also wanted to talk about um Shakes, Shakes before you go anywhere else, before you go to your next point, let's make something yeah. real clear. They do okay. need somebody on that flip side of Vernon who's gonna be able to apply heat. If it's not Lorenzo Carter, if he can't be a quick comer on this, then Kareem Martin is gonna have to be that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, the pressure's on one of those two guys to start bringing the heat. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. And um, and, and B.J. Hill, I believe, because um, I'm going to tell you, y'all remember how I was gushy over Donald um, and his uh, his quick snap. Mm-hmm. His, his quick. Yep. Quick release off the snap. He, he has that in him, B.J. Hill. He has that in he him. He does. Not, I agree. Not to that level. Not yeah. to that level, but he does. He oh, does have. Not, he does he have a quick start. Well, oh, sure he, he does. Has that in him. I, I call it Donald-ish. Okay. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? No, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. So, um, anyway, I wanted to talk about the Barkley thing. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's five years, thirty-one, right? Is it? Is, they say fully guaranteed. Uh, first, uh, the first four years of uh, first round pick contracts are all fully guaranteed. Uh, for the f- usually the first twenty or so picks in the first round. Yeah. The bottom, the bottom third or so, those guys don't get the whole one hundred percent guarantee, but the first twenty or so do. Mm. And he's the fourth highest running back in the league. And and, and you know and that's the thing we talked about last week with the whole Le'Veon Bell thing. I mean, Devontae Freeman's the league's highest-paid running back. I think he averages $8 million a year in his contract. It's just it's not something that teams want to pay for. You know what, Jakes? I, may, I, I want to say make something clear, though. Make something very clear. You know when you take a guy number two in the draft, you pretty much know the number it's going to be oh, sure you do. before you take him. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, if you have any trepidation about giving those numbers to a running back – then you basically have to say to yourself, and I know there were some people who did, Barkley's got to be off the board because he's a running back, and that's the number we don't want to pay. And, and again, I know there were people who felt that way. I was never in that camp, but you can't gripe about the money in retrospect because you knew what it was going to be. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be well worth it anyway. But uh, my thing is, um, oh, you made me lose my train of thought here. Sorry. But... Uh, no, it's okay. It's all right. Um, ah, Buckley being paid that fourth highest, but oh yeah, it's going to change. It's going to change. Um, with uh, what's the guy in L.A. Gurley? Yeah, I mean, he gets his money. Gurley, Gurley, and Le'Veon. Elliot as well when he gets his money. Well, remember, Gurley and Le'Veon will be coming up soon because Le'Veon's got franchise this year, so he'll be free next year. I think Gurley's going to be free next year too, if I remember correctly. I have to check on that. Ezekiel Elliott still has three years left on his rookie deal, so don't ex- and his number is already fairly high anyway because he was what the fourth overall pick in the draft, mm-hmm. third overall pick, so he's already making decent money anyway. So um, it's a matter of whether or not Bell and Gurley move the needle. Chicks, here's the thing: we've taken a look at this before 
and Gurley runs out after the nineteen season. After the nineteen season, well, that would be the fifth year option and nine million. Yes. next year. So yes, but they can correct pick that uh, up absolutely, on and and I'm and I'm sure they already did. Oh yeah, absolutely. So and and you know. The thing moving forward shakes, and somebody called in and talked to us about this last week. I figured it might have even been you. I don't remember. And I looked it up. Even the guys that you consider running backs that have played a long time, like Ladanian Tomlinson, he had eight really good years. And that's about the maximum you're going to get out of a running back. Now, he's not necessarily going to be done after eight years, but he's not going to be a game changer anymore. So that's kind of what you're looking at here. And if you pick a guy in the first round, you have him under your control for five years, including the option. You can franchise him twice after that. So that's seven, okay? A team's going to have to decide here whether or not they want to pay a running back long-term when he's entering his eighth year, which is usually the last year they're really good. So getting a second contract for a running back can be really, really, really tough if his initial team uses that franchise tag twice the same way the Steelers did. And by the way, with the running back market depressed, that franchise tag is very reasonable. So that franchise tag for Le'Veon Bell is what, like $11, $12 million, something like that? It's not going to kill your salary cap. Mm -hmm. So teams are going to be more and more willing to do that where they draft the running back in the first round, you keep him for five years on that fifth-year option, you franchise him twice, and then even if he has one or two good years left, say la vie, enjoy it somewhere else. We're not going to carry dead money in our cap because we're paying a guy past his prime. Absolutely. Oh, great breaking it down, you see. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we do it. No question. Um, let, your, let your boy know who I am, though. I called and he's like, Shakes? From, you said from Maryland? I'm like, oh, you must be you, man. <laughs> Shakes, it's a new training camp. That means we're thanks, Shakes. I appreciate it. New training camp right. means we're working people back in. Everyone's getting back into the mix. Not everyone's aware of Shakes' legendary status. It's okay. <laughs> Shakes had a little blow to the eagle there. You notice that? Well, you know, I understand. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is a guy who's got his face on uh, BBK Mount Rushmore. He does. That's a bold statement. Him, Len. I'm right, not, I'm Charlie. Not, I'm not picking favorites. These guys, these guys are I'm, all on the BBK Mount Rushmore, are they here, not? They've been here since the beginning, but I'm not gonna. I, it has I nothing feel, to do with them being favorites. Feel, it has to do with them being legends. I feel, you don't have to like a legend. <laughs> <laughs> no insult intended, Shake. I love all of our callers. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm going to be the chamber of commerce on this. Well, I'm not asking you to pick favorites. Yes, I'm you are. If you're putting four no, guys in the Mount Rushmore, they're your four favorites. Not, That's what the Mount my, Rushmore is. I didn't is. say they were my favorites. I said they are legends. <laughs> they have earned status. Okay. Whether or not they're favorites is irrelevant. They are some of our most loyal and best callers. So I'm rewarding them Okay. to the BPK Mount Rushmore. Paul, Paul DeTino's BBK is Matt Rushmore. <laughs> Let me be clear about that. All right, 201-939-4513. Back to the phone. Let's go to Duke in Queens. He's up next. Hi, Duke. Hey, what's up, guys? What's Hello. up, buddy? Um, I'm not on Matt Rushmore, but definitely <laughs> definitely believe that I'm the Saquon Barkley of, of the, of the See BBK. See what you've done? All right? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take some dynamite to Mount Rushmore and blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's gone. <laughs> Um, I wanted to uh, say he actually stole one of my questions and regarding Saquon Barkley, mm -hmm. but uh, I wanted to say two things and I wanted and I wanted to ask the question. Uh, question: Eli Apple, if you had to compare him coming out of college to Sam Beal, what would you say? Like, not even close. Has the upper hand. Oh, Eli Apple! Eli Apple is the better prospect. Yeah, 
um, a little bit bigger um, in terms of just girth and size, a little stronger, a little longer, ran a little bit faster, I believe, as well. I think his 40 time was a little bit better. Um, and he played at a higher level. He played at Ohio State. Sam Beal played at Western Michigan. It's a different level of play um, between those two schools. So uh, I think Eli Apple is certainly a better prospect coming out than Beal. And Remember, uh, people, when they say Beal, sorry, Paul, that's right. is, is going to be a, like he's projected to be a first-round pick next year, that's, exactly. if he, that's if he plays well. By the way, how many yeah. times have we heard about these guys before their senior year? He's going to be a top 10 pick. Then he doesn't play well his senior year, and he's a third rounder. So, you know, a lot can change from one year to the next when it comes to these type of projections. Yeah, there's no question about that. And I would also add, quite honestly, Eli Apple was a physical player and a very good tackler coming out of Ohio State. He hit people. He, he was good in run support. Beal, one of the things that they talk about him needing to work on is going to be his tackling. It's funny. We talked, Paul. I know you weren't here last week. Paul was on vacation. Like I said, if you saw a really fast bronze ball moving abnormally quickly down the beach, that was Paul Dottino last week at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> Just glowing. Um, but right. we, So we talked to Beal's head coach and defensive back coach last week. Oh, okay. And they said he needs to work on wrapping up, but he's mm -hmm. not afraid to stick his nose in there. So he's willing, but he needs to get better technique at it. So that's kind of where they described his tackling. I think I think the video shows he's one of those push and knock him over defenders as opposed to yeah. wrapping up and throwing down. Like they said, he has to wrap up better. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also wanted to say that uh, RJ McIntosh, I'm super happy to update on him. We just signed him. He's on the active list. Uh, and again, I think I said this last week or maybe two weeks ago, I like him better than B.J. Hill, although they're both great. Um, and I was thinking about that, just, just that thought. And it actually is going to segue into my next question, which is, what do you guys think uh, sort of, what do you think is like a quality of a player, like something that is indicative of a hidden gem coming out of the draft? Like what, what does that person need? Like, or can we predict that? Do you guys think that's something that can be predicted? Oh, this guy might be a hidden gem, or is it just is this a feeling about feelings? Well, I think there are a few things, Duke, and and thanks a lot for the call. We appreciate. it. I think there are a few things yep. that can help you get a hidden gem. One, maybe a smaller school guy that you for some reason believe he can operate at a higher level, and other teams have questions about it. Mm -hmm. um, you have an injury that might have hidden a player a little bit, and for some reason, you have some type of intel that you believe he could bounce back from this or he's really good, and that scares teams off. Off-the-field issues, too. I mean, if a guy has an off-the-field issue that other teams are really worried about, take him off the board. But you, for some reason, your scouting is so good that you know that, oh, this kid's a good kid. He was just one bad yep. spot. He got over it. That can help you find the hidden mm -hmm. gem. Otherwise, I think, to me, and I, Paul and I, we haven't talked about this, so we might very well disagree on this. The way I look at it, Duke, the guys, to me, that can step in and be hidden gems are the guys that are better football players. And that sounds really basic. Well, of course. No, no duh. But football skills. Like, a lot of these mm -hmm. guys coming out of school now are projections. And, like, he's a great athlete, especially offensive lineman, but he's never played in a two-point – he's never played in a, a, a three-point stance. Um, you know, you have uh, wide receivers. Well, he runs a 4-3 and he's 6-2, but he's run three routes his whole college career. He doesn't run the route tree. Give me the guy that might not be as physically gifted but comes out of a pro system and knows how to run a route tree and knows what he's doing and knows technique. Those are the guys, to me, that can figure things out better than maybe the raw guys that 
you have to teach because yeah. You know, we talk about time on the field. It's so limited now, Paul. It's hard to teach the way you used to in this league. Yeah, I will buy that, John. But I, I also think in a way you kind of – you said it, but you kind of buried it when you said system. Because I'll give you a great example. When Omar Odegizua was taken out of UCLA, he was a run-stopping first defensive end. In a 3-4. In a 3-4 mm-hmm. with the Bruins, mm-hmm. who the Giants had projected – was going to be a dynamic NFL pass rusher. Correct. That's why they took him in the third round, because they thought he was a sleeper pass rusher, that they were going to be able to use his tools and his skills, coach him up, teach him, use him in their scheme, and get him to be a terrific pass rusher. It did not work out. They projected that his tools would allow him to pass rush in the pros, even though he wasn't asked to or put in the position to do that in college. Exactly. Right. It wasn't and it was like we think he can do it, but they didn't use him that way. So when you're asking about some of these dark horses and some of these guys who are diamonds in the rough, that's, great point. that's a big deal. It's like, okay, well in college he was a slot receiver, but we think he's big enough that he can play outside. And we're going to put him outside yeah. as as one of those guys who's going to stretch the field because we think he can do it. And all of a sudden, guy caught 40 balls in his college career because he was a little used slot receiver only on third down. He gets to the NFL, and now he's a star on the outside. Right. Or, or let me give another a couple different examples. Like Evan Ingram last year. And again, I'm not saying we know he's a hidden gem yet. We don't know that. But coming out, Paul and I looked at the tape. They didn't ask him to block. No. But the Giants believe, based Which, on what they saw on tape and at the Senior Bowl, like we talked, remember we talked to Tony Pauline, he's like, look at the Senior Bowl, he blocked the heck out of people. Right. And they believe that he could become a better two-way player. Now, there's still a lot of work to do in that area, but I think he showed more in his first NFL year than he showed in any of his years in college. He in showed a willingness blocking. to do it. Yes. And, and if you remember, that was my resistance I know originally in, sure. in terms of putting him on the board. Yeah. It's like... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of one-dimensional here. And then I kept hearing, well, you know, he's willing to do it, but they didn't ask him to do it. All right, well, you better be sure. And by the <laughs> way, I'm, I'm going to go cross sport here a little bit um, to basketball for a second just because it's local and people kind of paid attention a little bit. I think the Knicks are a perfect example of a way you find maybe hidden gems. Like Kevin Knox, he wasn't used by John Calipari at Kentucky right. to utilize a lot of his skills. All of a sudden you put him in an NBA system and he's doing all sorts of stuff he didn't do at Kentucky. And you're like, wow, if he did this stuff in college, he would have been a top five pick, but he never had a chance to show it. Mitchell Robinson. He didn't play last year. So that goes back to either off the field or injury stuff. He dropped out of school. No one's seen the kid. The kid hasn't played in an organized game of five-on-five five basketball in a year. So that obviously scares the hell out of a lot of people. They don't pick him. Then all of a sudden he's sitting there and you might get a good player late. So those are the type of odd circumstances that can mm-hmm. help you find those types of hidden gems. Agreed. 201-939-4513. See, now this is the problem. This guy is already extremely cocky and extremely high in himself. And now you're putting him on your fictitious Mount Rushmore. I blew it up. And now I have to deal with no, him. I blew it up already. But it's still in his head. You don't understand. <laughs> Charlie, you're not on my Mount Rushmore. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I like that, Paul. <laughs> How are you, Charlie? Hey, hey, you know whose head just blew up? Is uh, Lance's. Yes. Now I got... Now I got something to talk to Lance about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <sighs> oh, God. Hey, I got a, cu- a couple of things. <clears throat> um, 
this whole Macintosh situation. Oh, and by the way, Some, Charlie, real quick, by the way, I'm sorry because the last yeah. caller said Macintosh was active, and I want to correct that. that. Yeah, I he thought he did. said inactive. I thought he said active. Either way, whatever he said, I just want to be clear do, on what his situation do. is. He's on the yeah. non-football illness list. We right. don't know when he's going to be ready to do stuff. We'll know when we hear from Pat Shermer on Wednesday for the first time. Um, yeah. But he is signed, and we don't know what his status is quite yet. So that, that's where R.J. McIntosh stands, just so everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Right. Mr. Illness number two. <laughs> well, the, reason, the, oh. reason I'm, the reason I'm bringing this up is, like, we had an opportunity on our fifth-round pick to pick an offensive tackle. You remember the guy, Paul, from Oregon that was still there, yeah. Jones? Yeah. And there was another Crosby. guy that was still jo- there. Jones from Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And Crosby from, Ohio- from Oregon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had an opportunity to pick one of those two, and we picked Mr. Illness. Didn't our scouting department realize this guy had an issue? Um, you know what, Charlie? Um, we have found out subsequently that Crosby had a foot issue at Oregon, and there were a lot of teams in the NFL, one of the reasons he dropped for sure, a lot of teams didn't even have him on their board because he did have a foot issue when he was with the Ducks. And then Jamarco Jones, I'm not sure what the issue was. I, fr- I do not remember hearing about what that might have been. So there are reasons that some of us know and some of us will never know yeah. as to why that folder said you can't take and it. And, Charlie, we don't know the circumstances behind McIntosh's illness and what no. the team knew and what they did and all that stuff. I can't, I can't speak to it. I don't know the answer to that question. All right. And I got, I got something. I now this is not; these are not my sources, but from another person's what source. The trees. <laughs> a third person's source. This no. guy was right on about Sam Beal coming to the Giant. He says that Gettleman is trying to get Ricky Wagner, or this guy Heller, who's an offensive tackle from the Bengals. So Let me look at Flowers, the number on him, what his salary is. Go ahead. Well, the problem with Wagner, yeah. doesn't he play the same position as Ogletree? No, no. Ricky Wagner, he's no, talking about, he's about the right tackle. right tackle. I'm sorry. He's I, the right tackle. Yeah, he was with the Ravens, was a free agent last year, got big money. To, I think he was the highest paid right tackle when he went to the Lions last year. I confused him yeah. with the linebacker for the Seahawks. That's, that, that's I, what I thought he meant he was and, talking about. And sorry, honestly, man. if the Giants were not in the bidding for him as a free agent last year, I find it I, – I tweeted you already, Charlie. I find it hard know, to believe they're going to they're gonna go for any kind of deal with the economic deal that he got you know, with the Lions. Oh, because remember, the, the team that trades the player still has to pay that whole signing bonus. So that signing yeah. bonus is going to be accelerating. It's going to blow up the cap if they end up trading that let guy. Me, let, me, let me see what – let me just see for argument's sake. I, I – Bobby Wagner. But, so I can uh, the thing that Bobby. I Bobby got Wagner. out of it I'm is sorry. that Gettleman is actively seeking, looking for a right tackle. So that was good news to me. So, uh, uh, you know, watch it. It, it, might, it might happen. It might not. I mean, if Flowers plays incredible during the preseason or he looks better than he had, then they might not do it. But if he doesn't, there's, a, there's an opportunity that they're looking at. So, no, Charlie, again, we've had this conversation before. Remember, you called us about, oh, boy, who is the tackle for the, <laughs> uh, for the Falcons that, that you had like 18 phone calls in a row about the Giants trading from? Oh, right. He was a restricted free agent. Yes. I can't remember his name Yeah, now. and then you yeah. kept calling about how they're oh, all. Oh, Schrader. Yeah, Schrader thank you. Schroeder Ryan Schrader. Ryan Schrader. That's exactly right. right. And you're like, oh, they got to trade for him. They say they're looking to deal him. And what did the Falcons do? They gave him a huge contract extension. He didn't go anywhere. So, um, again, we'll see. I don't know. Um, well, I'm just telling you, you're hearing it here first. That's okay. all. Hey, and the other thing is, 
Look, I don't care where you put me on Mount Rushmore. You can have shakes first and land second. Wherever I am, I'm very humble about it. Thank you, Paul. No problem. Oh, but by the way, <laughs> based on the numbers we're looking at it at over the cap for Ricky Wagner, yeah. if they were to trade him, uh, the yeah. Lions would be on the hook for nearly – $12 million worth of signing bonus just this year. So I don't, that's, I don't that, that see ain't going to happen. I don't see them doing that. Never mind the Giants doing that. They and would have $7 million accelerated yeah. on his 2018 cap number. And that's the, not going to work. And you said that there was a guy from Cincinnati on your on your, yeah. on your yeah, uh, Hella, radar? Yeah, he was, he was the uh, backup right tackle, but he ended up starting because the guy got hurt last year. Wasn't the he Bengals offensive well. line a disaster last year? Huh? Wasn't, wasn't the Bengals wasn't offensive line a disaster last year? Sure, I thought you were going to call and talk about what we tweeted about yesterday. Oh, what was that? I can't remember now. What was that we tweeted about? Oh, about Charlie gets all excited. He goes, NFL.com put out a list of the 50 best free agents still available. Yeah, and guess who was on the list? And by the way, Will he gets... Beattie was the only tackle on the oh, list. God. Guess what number he was out of the 50 best offensive, uh, free, best free agents available on the market. He was number 46. 46! So there were 45 oh, wow. he, he other guys that don't list. have... Oh, and come Charlie, on, that's Charlie. my point. <laughs> if there are 45 other guys that aren't good enough to be on a team that are available before the best offensive tackle, do you know what that tells you? The offensive tackles left on the street aren't very good. That's what it hey, tells you. you. See, those 50 was Des Bryant, and it was a whole bunch of guys like that. There weren't 45 was... Des Bryants on the list. Come on, Charlie. <laughs> And just uh, in the interest of in the interest of getting this right, you're talking about a guy named Heller for the Bengals? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. H E L L E R? Oh, let me check that. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. He doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I think then I forget his name, but he was a backup. You forget uh, his right name. That doesn't help anybody. He's a figment right, of I will tweet you who he what his name is. I thought it was Heller, but maybe it's not. Hold on. I'm looking I'm, I'm looking at their depth chart here. What do you got? Um, Who's it back up right tackle? Bobby Hart. Do you want Bobby no, Hart back? Oh, God, not this year, <laughs> last year. Jeez, I don't want him back. <laughs> All right, let me check last year. Hold on. Um, As of December 1st, 2017, the Bengals' right tackle was – if I can actually scroll down here. Um, Andre Smith and Eric Winston were the two right tackles in December. Well, maybe he ended up playing left tackle because well, one of that, them went that, down. That, that was Cedric Obihu and Eric Winston. So I, I, I think you, you might have the wrong team here, Charlie. I can't help right, you. Maybe it's not the Bengals then. Hey, but Eric Winston's available. Oh, I would take him in a heartbeat. Goodness. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, right, Charlie, you've now gone from Mount Rushmore to the quicksand pit, <laughs> just so you know. Ron, I have that, a great man. day. Ron Heller is an offensive that. line coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does that help you? <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who's next? Who's next? He retired in 1995, though. I'm not sure if he has anything left in the tank. Probably not. Oh, boy. 201-939-4513. You put him on the damn mountain. It's your fault. Mark in Chicago oh, I pushed is him next. off right now. Well, Mark, what's going on, pal? <laughs> Without a parachute, Charlie. Hi, Mark. Hey, can I have his spot on Mount Rushmore now? <laughs> See? Look what you've done. Oh, no. Look what you've done. I, I haven't been calling in long enough, so I don't deserve it, and I'll admit that. So, anyway, um, hey, before I, uh, I get started, hey, I'm going to drive over to the uh, Detroit training camps for a yes, couple of days. Yes. Are you guys going to be out there? Um, I will be out there for the duration of the week. I think Paul's coming in on Wednesday or Thursday, something like I that. I haven't gotten my itinerary yet. Oh, okay. Might be Thursday. 
All right. Well, good. I'm looking forward to it, and maybe we can run into each other Absolutely. We'd love so. to, Mark. All right. Hey, um, the uh, thing about OBJ, um, I think OBJ is going to get a little bit more action in the preseason than we might think, and I'll put a big if out there, and that's if he's healthy. I think for a couple of reasons. One is I think that we want to prove to our future opponents that, hey, OBJ is back, and you better game plan for him big time versus what we've been doing in the past where I don't think he'll be running any of these routes across the middle where he injured his ankle last year. We won't see any of that. But I think he's going to be running some long patterns to uh, uh, let the opponents know that OBJ is back. And the other reason I think he wants to be out there and running because it will help him with his contract negotiations that, hey, I'm back, I'm fully healthy, now let's sit down and work out an agreement. And that's my perspective of the situation. Well, Mark, here's the thing. There shouldn't be any questions about his health. Um, According to Pat Shermer, and this was his quote, he's cleared to practice. And that was what he said at mandatory minicamp, which was six weeks ago. So unless there's been a re-injury, which there's absolutely no evidence there has been anything of the kind, he should be fully cleared and ready to go at the start of camp. I mean, I'm sure they'll take it slow just out of precaution. But Mm -hmm. the ankle injury, right, Paul, should be pretty much healed, right? Yeah, and I would tell you from a strategic perspective, I'd actually take it the other way. First of all, I don't want to take any chances with him in preseason games. I don't want. I don't need to prove anything to anybody in terms of what Odell is if he's right. And I think there's certainly a little bit of an element of surprise too. If he doesn't play preseason games, not only are you not risking him to injury, but then when you unveil him against Jacksonville, and everybody's anticipating, well, let's see, let's see, let's see, and then if he goes out there and does what you think he's going to do. Well, I think Jacksonville is going to be hit by a gut punch right to the stomach. Because so somebody tells me they're going to expect him to be pretty good. I <laughs> think Tom Coughlin will because that's what he will tell Marone. Do you think Jalen Ramsey's going to head into the game being like, eh, I can take it easy this game. I'm not worried about 13. I'm sure, I'm sure that Coughlin will tell Marone and Marone will tell Ramsey and they will be prepared. Yes, but sure I do think that if you unveil Beckham for the first time in full in ja- against Jacksonville – there may still be a little bit of a wow factor. How about this? I think both you guys are overthinking it. I, yeah, th- well. I, I don't think it's really going to matter one way or the other, to be honest with you. Quite, yeah, and, and whatever <laughs> what, what, whatever we think is smart is actually irrelevant as well. That's also true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the other thing, though, you were talking about Sam Beal, and I sort of uh, put him in the same position as Darian Thompson was a couple of years ago. And my take on Thompson, from what I could see last year, Maybe his tackling skills weren't the best, but I thought that his problem was he took the wrong angle it was both. to make was... the tackle. And I think it was based on the speed of the game. And, you know, making that Maybe. step from the Mountain West to the NFL, and I think Beal, I don't know what conference Western Michigan is in, but, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're it's taking it up a couple of notches in terms of the speed. And I think that's what's going to hold him back here, at least initially as we go into the start of the season. I think that's a good point, and I think that it's wasn't fair. I, I don't know what. The reason was, and Mark, thanks for the call, the reason was for Thompson's issues last year with the tackle. But you're right, there was wrapping up issues and there were angle issues. I think that's an accurate statement. I don't think Paul and I would disagree with that at all. I would not. Um, But the other issue, too, is that, look, guys, Sam Beal hasn't done anything yet. I mean, A, he's in quote-unquote combine shape. He's not in football shape. So that's going to take a little while for him to get into football shape. Because you know how that goes coming after those, those, you know, Olympic workouts, for the lack of a better word. These guys get into football shape. These other players have been in this system for 10 months, uh, ten weeks. 
during the offseason program. Mm -hmm. He's got to learn everything. Like As everyone else is doing this in an accelerated way because they've seen it twice already, he's doing it for the first time. So that's going to be an adjustment for him too. Um, so And they're in the Mid-American Conference, by the way, the uh, Western Michigan. So I think all those are fair points, and I think – I think people need to temper their immediate expectations a little bit. It might take a little time for him uh, to get everything together, understand everything, and be able to contribute at a high level. You and know, I like him as a player, too, but I think you have to be patient. He's got a skill set, but as we talked about, and I don't remember, did I do the show? Uh, I did the show with Lance, I guess, the day of the draft, right? You did the show with me afterwards? No, that was me and you. That was me and you? When we had Ledyard on talking about right. Beal. Correct, okay. yes. Mm -hmm. and, and folks... I tried to really put the brakes on that whole thing. If you recall doing that show, and it's on the archive, and there's a proud, as good a report on, on a scouting perspective from Ledyard as you're going to get on the player. And then John had two of the coaches on last week. Mm -hmm. You said the head yeah. coach yeah, and the Lance position and coach. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's plenty of information for you to go back and listen to. I think all I tried to do going into the draft, not knowing if the Giants were going to take him or not, was to say you have a skilled player, a talented player, but one that is going to need polish, he's going to need maturity, he's going to need development, and hold your horses if you think he's a plug-and-play guy week one against Jacksonville because he's not. The one thing that will make you feel a little bit better about it, and that we talked to the head coach, he said, look, he played for us at like 190 last year, the whole year, and he thinks he maybe got really nervous a couple days leading up to the pro day, so he dropped some oh. weight. So Interesting. he doesn't think he'll have any issue getting up to like 190, 195. That would make me feel somewhat better. So I thought that might be might make you feel a little bit better about it. Oh, uh, let's see what uh, Coach Wellman is able to do to him when he gets here. All right, 201-939-4513. We have a couple minutes to go. Let's squeeze in our final two callers. Jose in Orlando was our guy who called in the earliest. We'll go to him first. What's up, Jose? Hey, John and Paul. How are you guys? Hi. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I really enjoy the conversations you guys have, really insightful information. Uh, down here in Orlando, Florida, it's kind of like New York South. That's where all the New Yorkers moved down after a while. Giants fans for life. But uh, I have a quick scenario, and I know I don't have a lot of time. Maybe I'll call you guys another day. Sure. Uh, but listening to what Charlie said about R.J. McIntosh, I'll tell you, if this kid gets over his illness, um, he has a lot of upside. His first move in that A-gap is incredible. His ability to get skinny and get in the backfield is incredible. I've seen a lot of film on him. Um, but I just have a quick little scenario as far as Dave Gettleman and what he's looking for. Uh, by the way, I love Dave Gettleman. I love that we hired him as a GM, his personality. I just wish him the best of health with his plight. And if you guys see him, tell him the Giants fans, we're rooting for him, man, all the way. For sure. Uh, one of the things that I was, you know, this, the conversation when Dez came out and everyone's thinking about signing him and all that. And Des Bryant, yeah, he's, he's, he's a good guy like for jump ball scenarios, but his route tree is, is a little suspect. He's a bad route. You know, him, yeah, him against a two or three receiver, I mean, two or three corner would be great. But I think Dave is waiting for possibly maybe getting, uh, see if anyone gets cut like a veteran tackle, like a right tackle, or maybe a veteran defensive end, like an edge rusher uh, to help with that defense or something that we might help. I know Charlie goes off on Eric Flowers. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've been pulling for Eric Flowers. I know he's, he's a lot of Giant fans hate to hear this, but – when you, you know, it's, it's not easy to do what he does, you know, going from where he was, where he wanted to be until um, our left tackle got hurt and he had to jump in there. But I, I honestly think it's going to be extremely challenging for him on the right side, going from left to right. I agree. Uh, yeah, seen a lot of film on him. He drops his head sometimes. His feet is just – he doesn't anchor down that well. And changing it around, I mean, I'm pulling for him because, you know, he's, he's a young guy still. So 
you never want to see someone, you know, lose their dream job. But, you know, I am pulling from. So I think that's one of the reasons why, and you guys can elaborate, I'll hang up, is that maybe why Dave Gettleman hasn't either maybe pulled the trigger on Dez, on Dez because of Lattimore still there too. Um, but don't you think, you know, Dez Bryant, if the Giants had the opportunity, let's say they solidify a tackle or a defensive end, their defense and their offensive line is running well, as far as picking up maybe Dez as far as like a, a third or a fourth receiver, imagine that with all the receivers that we have, him in the end zone, just jump ball it. All right, um, rapid fire, Jose. You uh, you hit you hit a bunch of different things, and we'll try to get to all of them real quick. And uh, thanks again for the yeah. call. We appreciate it. Um, first things first on the type of player they'll be looking for in the waiver wire. I think you hit it on the head. Pass rusher and offensive tackle will be two they'll be looking for. Uh, depth at those spots, and I think depth at cornerback will be the third spot they'd be looking for in terms of that. In terms of Dez, guys, I've been saying it since the beginning. I don't see a fit. Um, you have enough trouble getting the ball around to everybody already on the roster. Mm -hmm. um, we all saw how Des Bryant acted in Dallas when he didn't get the football. He often was not pleased. How he would like being a fourth or fifth option if you include Saquon Barkley into the mix with the Giants. I worry about that. I think it's a legitimate concern. And frankly, he wasn't a productive player that got open last year. Um, he's hitting 30. He's getting close to that. You know about the off-the-field stuff with him. So I think put all that together... I, the way Dave Gettleman's trying to rework this locker room, Paul, to me, I just don't see a fit there. That car's got a lot of miles on it, John. It does. And a lot of foot injuries. They kill speed. A lot of miles. No separation. You know, he's he's got one half of a flat tire at least, and that's a problem. So, I mean, look, you didn't see anybody jump after him, did you? No. And, well, he should have signed with the Ravens if he knew it was good for him. That was I one team that did, and he passed on it. You know, obviously they didn't jump high enough because he didn't like the deal. He can't play a three- or four-year deal anyway. Yeah. Scott in New Mexico, he's up next. Hey, Scott, final call of the show. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, even though I don't have Mount Rushmore status, Paul, you've given me something to strive for. See? I really uh, screwed this up, didn't I? Yep. Unless the top of the Empire State Building is available, and I'll take that instead. Okay. I'm going to push Paul off the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> he might. <laughs> As far as the Giants are concerned in the evaluation process of training camp, right now of the starting 22 players uh, that they're going to have, I see only four positions that are up for grabs, so to speak. Uh, one, uh, John, you addressed earlier, right tackle. Center on the offensive line uh, might Agreed. be an issue. And on the defense, uh, free safety and the, uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, slot corner. Yep. So... I have my own feelings of who I think I'd like to see in those positions. And I was wondering if I'm missing anyone, if there's anyone up for grabs on the starting 22, not the backups. I would say sub-package second linebacker who would be out there with Ogletree. I think they want it to be B.J. Goodson, but I don't know if they're sure about that yet. Uh, so the second nickel linebacker. Um, I'm not positive the three defensive linemen and baser set. The two guys next to Harris, I think Tomlinson's definitely one. I think B.J. Hill's the second guy. I don't know if right. that's in stone or not, but I think you pretty much hit everything else. Yeah, and to a lesser degree, I'm not sure right now who the third receiver is. I think it's going to be Latimer, but I don't know for sure. I agree. And Hunter Sharp was in the mix there a lot in the, in the spring. You know, so that that's kind of open. And I think the other thing is, and, and I know you didn't want to get to this part of the deal, but 
I'm not sure who the punter's going to be, who the kicker's going to be, and I'm not sure right. who the return guy's going to be. That's a good point, too. I mean, I think I, I got guys who may be a little bit of a leg up, but I don't know they're going to get it. Scott, we got to run power over the right. show, I'll, okay? Real, I'll real let quick. You go. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Ben Gruen wants to know if Ann from Washington, D.C. is on your Mount Rushmore. Do you remember Ann? I do. <laughs> well, Paul Lowe's putting people that Lance hates on his round much more, so it would be perfect if we put Ed on, Dave. <laughs> uh, and by the way, just real quick, James Jones on Twitter. I promise I get to a Twitter question. Yes. Um, do you think Stan Beal is guaranteed a roster spot? It's pretty hard to imagine he doesn't get a roster spot unless he gets hurt and goes IR. How are you correct. going to release the guy after you spend a third-round pick on and him? And you never get him onto the practice squad. Of course not. Uh, injured reserve would be the only way he's not on the active 53. You know, barring think. something crazy yeah. happening. Third-round pick. You know, he's going to be here. Great. And then, look, look you never tell anybody that you're on the team no matter what, but have you ever seen a third-round pick and not be on the opening day roster? Giants had a linebacker named Greg Mark out of the University of Miami when Parcells was here. He was a defensive tackle, and they um, they drafted him. I believe he was the third round, and and they converted him into linebacker, and uh, he didn't even make it through his first camp. Well, yeah. that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. I'd be surprised ago. if we saw that again. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. All right, John. Very good. All right. Tomorrow, uh, Paul and I have a uh, – we're out on assignment tomorrow afternoon. So we'll have uh, Lance and Fiegel's handling the show, then me and Fiegel's on Wednesday when the players report. Stay tuned to Giants.com. We'll have some coverage of practice as well over the next couple of days. Let me just throw that in. He was a third-round pick in 1990. There you go. Greg Mark. Yeah. That's the highest Giants draft pick oh. that I ever remember flaming out so quickly. And before we say goodbye, I'm happy you brought up 1990 because it made me think. Um, yes. We want to send out our condolences to Ernie Palladino's family, a good oh, friend of yeah. ours, Ernie, who covered the Giants beat. Ernesto. Uh, Ernesto, good guy, covered the Giants beat for a long time, um, lost his battle with cancer over the weekend. And uh, uh, rest in peace, Ernie. We love you. Uh, great guy, and uh, condolences to him, his family, and all his friends. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. That's Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day.